Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, and welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today. Pretty excited. Just got back from a buddy of mine's house. Me and Tyler were working out at his house, and I just wanted to do my max bench press. And I maxed out lifetime best PR today, and just pretty excited. So I came home, and I needed to record. So here I am, but I'm just excited. So it's a good day. Hope you guys are all well, like I stated. Let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time and for your grace that's upon us right now. And God, I want to encourage pastors today. I want this to be a time of refreshment for them. And God, I pray for the pastors that are out there that have been hurt by churches, pastors that have really tried to love well, tried to serve well, and have honored you in the process, but still have been really shot at and chewed up and spit out by a church or churches. God, I pray right now that you would bring comfort to them and that you would help them sustain them to continue to stay the course in ministry and do what you've called them to do. I just want to be a blessing to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get into Hebrews and our content for the day, and as you know, last week I announced that we were going to do kind of a two-part series here, one for church members and, and talking about what we talked about last week, and then, or excuse me, about elders, and then this week we're going to give a word of encouragement to pastors by way of looking at what members are required to do for pastors. So we'll get to that in a second. First, Origin. I'm doing a great giveaway with Origin this month. There's a pair of jeans and a hoodie. These are all made in America, and I love what Origin is doing. You can check that out. The link is in the show notes. You can sign up a couple different ways on Instagram. You can like the post, like or, or follow Origin, follow the Shepherd's Crook, and tag people in the comments on Gab. You have to subscribe to our Gab TV channel, and then you have to leave a, a tag in a post, and then you're so you're uh, in the giveaway, in the Rolodex of names, that kind of thing. So sign up for the Origin giveaway. It's really great. Here's what Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no be of no advantage to you. Last week I got to preach a sermon on this, and if you want to go to the Christchurch Carbondale website, you can find this or on the iTunes stream. You can see the sermon, or, or not see the sermon, but you can you can hear the sermon. This was uh, not from this Sunday, but from last Sunday, and it was a real joy to preach. It was an honor to preach this, and our, our people have been so great to receive the book of Hebrews in just the best sort of way. And our church is wonderful to preach for because they love God's word. And in this, I gave the kind of the, the directives of the passage of submission to elders, and it's a, a specific type of submission. It's submission to the soul care that pastors bring. This is not control over your life. There's many decisions that church members make that elders have no business whatsoever giving counsel on or no, no business even knowing about. But there is this sort of soul care authority that God has given elders in a local church, and members should obey the soul care directives of their elders. And if you want, again, more details on that, I've got more details in that sermon I just preached. But in the text, it tells us, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be a no advantage to you. Now, I want to say on the front end, and then I want to bring counsel to pastors on the back end. There are many pastors throughout this country, when I read these statistics about the state of pastoral ministry in our nation, there are many pastors that need to be told, simply told, you got to toughen up, you got to carry the load that God has given you to carry, and you need to do this with joy, 
You don't need to slander church members. You don't need to look at them and be upset with them or say, say silly things like ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. You don't need to do any of that. Some pastors that are not doing well need to be told to toughen up. And yet, I want to be quick to defend pastors who are in contexts of churches that do not love them well, that do not submit to them in any way, shape, form, or fashion, even over the soul care of their life, and they make life miserable for them. And I want to be quick to defend pastors like that. Last week, I mentioned this criteria of finishing well, and I want to lay that out for you. And I want to say, I've only met one pastor who's met these qualifications. Certainly, there's other guys out there. I know that many of you know pastors that maybe have mentored you. Or maybe, Pastor, you're listening in, and you're listening to this criteria, and you're marching towards formal retirement age, and these things are true of you, and we want to praise the Lord for that. And I want to recognize that that pastoral ministry is difficult, but we're going to look at these stats here in a minute. But if I can get to formal retirement age, I'm not going to ever retire six days you shall work. I'm going to work to the you know till I die kind of thing. But I will get to the point of formal retirement age where I'll step out of the, the current capacity I'm at in my local church. And pastor, so will you. You're going to get to the point where there's some sort of transition in your life as you get older. And I want you to think about these criteria and think about it biblically because I think these are a really good measure of what it would, what a good and successful ministry would look like. If you get to 65 years old, these things are true. Then you would say, God, praise be to God. This I've been a success according to God's grace. And let me just lay these out for you. Number one, if you get to formal retirement age, you're, you're going to hear a cat jumping around right now. Just one second. Sorry about that. On the audio, that's going to be seamless. But on the video, you actually saw me leave the screen and go remove our kitten and put it out of my office. Okay. Number one, if you get to a formal retirement age and you still love Jesus, I mean, you love the Lord, you've not done the Joshua Harris thing and abandon, abandon Christ. If you get to that formal retirement age and you still really love Jesus, praise God. That's awesome. Success. Number two, if your wife still likes you, and I'm not talking about just a general, you know, you guys love each other still, sort of, you're still together. There's been no affairs from your wife or from you. So great. I'm talking about you guys still like each other. You enjoy being around each other. And there's it's a good marriage. Praise God. Okay. Number three, your kids are walking with Christ and they respect you. If your kids are walking with the Lord and you're getting to see Lord willing some grandbabies, praise God, and they still respect you, then, I mean, what more could we want, right? Pastor, the heart of every single pastor I know that has children, this is your deep heart. You want to see your kids walk with the Lord and your grandkids walk with the Lord, and you want your children to respect you, and you want great relationships with them, and this is our desire. This is our goal. Number four, you're still making disciples. If you get to formal uh, uh, retirement age and you're still making disciples and you're still being discipled, you're still the kind of man that says, I've got a lot to learn. I need people in my life that are investing in me, that are doing the work of discipleship in my life, that are still a little bit ahead of me. We want to be the kind of men that are humble men when we retire, not the kind of men that think that we know everything and that nobody can disciple us and we can only disciple other people. We want to be the kind of man that still walks with the humility before God and others that says, I still need to be discipled. So if I'm 65 years old, there's still a group of guys around me that I'm pouring into and I'm discipling children, grandchildren, the men at the church, the young men at the church, then that's success. Number five, no hidden moral failures. If you've had a moral sin failure in your life that's disqualified you from ministry, you're not a lost cause. Now, there are some things that we do that disqualify us permanently from ministry. This is not the episode to talk about that. But if you've got to formal retirement age, even if you had a moral failure at some point, you can still, if you've not hidden that moral failure, you can still finish well. You can still recover from that. There's restoration from that. The Apostle Peter 
walked in restoration and continued in, in ministry after denying Christ. And so the whole point is there's no hidden moral failure, but even better than that is no moral failure at all. You just get to formal retirement age and there's not been any sort of skeletons in the closet. There's been nothing that you've been hiding and not telling anybody for decades. There's not been like Johnny Hunt had an affair 15 years ago that now just came to the surface. That is disqualifying and it's embarrassing when a pastor who's already a pastor who's already preaching again had to be confronted, it had to be found out rather than confessing the sin and making it known. And so if you can get to formal retirement age, let me just repeat these, and you and your wife still like each other, you're, you are still loving, or you're loving Jesus, you and your wife still like each other, your kids are loving Christ, following Christ, and they respect you, you're still making disciples, and there's been no hidden moral failure. What more could we ask for? Notice in that list, there's nothing about church size, there's nothing about book deals, there's nothing about podcasting, there's nothing about any of the peripheral stuff that comes with pastoral ministry. This is simply about being a godly man, knows how to be a man, knows how to love his wife well, your kids are respecting you and loving you and walking with Jesus. These things, if they're there, my goodness, we're going to look back in our life and say, God, look what you've done. This is what we want as pastors. Now, I know one pastor that meets that criteria. One. And I've been in in pastoral ministry for 15 years. I've known hundreds of pastors. I know of, and guys, I mean, as pastors, we know pastors, and you see it on the internet, you know pastors all over the place. I've had men that I know that have committed suicide, that have, there's been moral failure that has permanently removed them from pastoral ministry, and I only know one that meets this criteria, a mentor of mine. So why is it the case that so many pastors, and you think, you know, everybody else's profession is hard. I'm going to read this list of why pastors are struggling. Everybody else's uh, vocation is hard. And yet, why is it that so many people get through those stresses, those struggles, and they they do a, a line of work for a very long period of time or similar work for a very long period of time, and they don't quit? And there's, you know, obviously not the same sort of qualifications that are given to pastors that are given to somebody that's an IT or somebody that's a construction worker or something like that. A construction worker can divorce his wife and remain, you know, in that industry and in, in that work. I get that. But why is it there are so few pastors that finish well? And it, as, as it's true that pastors need to be told, toughen up. There has to be other reasons, other stresses that are legitimate. And I think it's this this piece right here, and you've seen it, and Pastor, you've experienced I've I've experienced it, where pastors' life is made absolutely miserable by people in the congregation. Fortunately, I'm in a setting, and our pastors are in a setting where it's an absolute joy to shepherd our people. Let me take a drink of coffee just a second. Fortunately, we're in a very good spot. But I've been in situations before where... The pastors have shepherded, and they've not shepherded with joy, but it's been a work of groaning. So why is it that it's so difficult? Let me read a couple of these stats. Just just get a state of pastoral ministry in America in your mind. Ministry challenges to pastors, and these are pastors that have considered quitting ministry in the last year. What are the primary reasons why they've considered quitting? 56% of pastors wanted to quit because of the immense stress of the job. 43% of pastors wanted to quit because they feel lonely and isolated. 38% of pastors have wanted to quit in the last year because of the current political division. 29% because they're unhappy with the effect that pastoral ministry has on their family. 29% say they're not optimistic about the future of their church. 29% want to quit because of the vision for the church, his vision, which is uh, something that he needs to adopt Jesus' vision and lay down his vision, but his vision for the church conflicts with with the church's direction, 24% say my church is in steady decline, and then down the list, there's several other things. So why is it 
that pastors have this unified experience and that so many pastors are wanting to quit for these reasons. Why is it over the last year, according to George Barna, another stat, 38% of pastors that are in full-time ministry have considered quitting over the last year. 38%, almost 4 in 10 pastors. Why? I mentioned this in my sermon, but I want to bring it up here for you guys. There's a book that's really helpful, and if you're the kind of pastor that is in the situation where the members of the church are making your life miserable, and it's you're not shepherding out of joy, and it's a real struggle, and you're feeling like you don't know if you can keep going on, and you're about to quit, and you're about to come, another statistic, I, I just want to encourage you to keep your head up. And it may be that you do need to put resumes out, and you do need to go to another church. It may be that, uh, you know, by the providence of God, some of the members that are causing, that are just really a thorn in your side, somehow or another stump, stumble upon upon this. And if you're one of these church members and you're listening to this show and you have you feel like you you have to be the judge of your pastor instead of God being the judge of your pastor and you are making life absolutely miserable for him, then, then just hear me say this. You've got to stop that. You have to stop. Your pastor is King Jesus. The chief shepherd is Jesus. We see that in this text later on, the great shepherd of the, che- of the sheep in verse 20. And your under shepherds have indwelling sin. They're not going to shepherd perfectly. And it may be they need to be confronted and kicked out of there. It may be your, your pastor is a false teacher and he needs to get out of there. Okay, I get that. But what I've seen time and time again is good men being chewed up and spit out by bad churches. Are there church members that are chewed up and spit out by bad pastors? Absolutely. Many of these pastors that we're talking about here are really bad pastors. And we have a country full of them, of weak-kneed, limp-wristed, no-backbone kind of men that don't care about loving God. They're hirelings. They don't care about loving God's people as God would have them. They throw them under the bus. But I'm speaking and really pleading for these good men that are pastoring churches. And these churches are making their life and their family's life miserable. And that needs to stop as well. Pastor, this may be just a lifeline to you, but there's a book that uh, the guy that I said, the one that I know has finished well, he recommended this. I was in a really difficult spot at a church where I was being slandered, and it was just one of those classic situations where pastors are treated terribly. And that was me. And I remember talking to my friend, and I called Greg, and I said, Greg, I'm, I'm barely hanging on here. And this, I remember exactly where I was sitting. And he said, I've got a book for you. Why don't you come over? And he let me have this book. And then I bought a copy of it and it's just called Antagonist in the Church. And as you read this, you realize, oh my goodness, I'm not crazy. Because you can get to the point where, where bad church members who are not letting you shepherd with joy, but are making you shepherd with groaning or causing you to really want to groan about ministry. And you get to this point where you think, man, maybe they are correct and I'm crazy. One story and then we'll wrap it up. I remember it, I was at a church and there was a there was a, a member of the church that was a, a klepto. He stole everything. And yes, he was a member of the church. It was a very unhealthy situation. Well, one situation happened where a kitchen cart disappeared. This kitchen cart disappeared. It was like a big industrial kitchen cart. And we were trying to figure out who it was. Well, the natural answer was, well, it's the klepto. It's the guy we've got on video that was stealing everything all the time. And nobody wanted to address it. And I was new to the church and they wouldn't let me address it. It was very, it was just a weird situation. Well, what ended up happening is somebody in the church said, well, I saw Jared and, and he was driving away in his truck with this cart in the back of his truck. And I knew I didn't have that cart. I had no reason to take that kitchen cart. There was no reason to do that. I wouldn't have done that. And yet I I started to reflect on that and think, well, I mean, did I do that without knowing it? I mean, did I take that kitchen cart and, and give it to the Goodwill? I mean, what, and I started actually thinking that I took this kitchen cart. And I I mean, I knew my wife was like, honey, you didn't take that kitchen cart. And I was like, well, they saw it. Well, here's the deal. 
the wife of the klepto was the one who actually said that I was the one stealing the cart. And, and I didn't steal it. But I got to the point where I was thinking, maybe I am going crazy. When I read this book, Antagonist in the Church, there's so many stories like this where pastors can read this and think, oh my gosh, this, this is such a breath of fresh air to see these case studies of these you know levels of antagonism that comes in the church. And let me just be a voice of encouragement to you, pastor. Keep going. I mean, do what God has called you to do. Don't abandon the ministry. If God's called you to this, trust that he's going to supply everything you need to keep going. And if those members are that awful, well, I mean, exercise church discipline, do what's required. There's often, it's often the case that pastors, because they think they're going to lose their job, don't exercise Matthew 18 church discipline and address the slander and address, and they just think, well, I just got to take this abuse forever. You don't have to do that. You, you may, it's going to come to a head. Either you're going to leave, but don't leave with your you know tail tucked between your legs. Leave in a biblical fashion, address that sin. And if you get the boot because of it, praise God. You can walk out with your head held high. You can go on to the next stage of ministry and trust the Lord. And if you're that church member that's causing pain to your pastor, unnecessary pain to your pastor, and he's not able to shepherd with joy, or pastors, plural here, then repent and go to your elders and say, I'm sorry, I've made your life miserable. I've slandered, I've lied, I've gossiped, and make things right. Guys, I hope this has been encouragement to you. I hope this has been a help. Uh, pastors, there's defenders out there. You're, I, I want to defend you right now. Keep doing the ministry well and keep your head up. Uh, it's difficult, but finish well. Be the kind of guy that gets to the end of your formal ministry, and these five things, these five criteria, criteria are true of you, and you'll have been a raging, raving success by the grace of God. Thanks for listening.